You know, guys, um, I was planning to tell you a story about first times because uh, we will talk about beginnings with uh, Red Friday in this episode. But uh, after the extension of the lockdown, this nostalgia feeling got me again and uh, it changed my mind. I think since um, COVID hit our lives, we have been living in a nostalgia state. We crave for our old lives to come back, to have a beer in a pub without booking a fucking table. But uh, if we think slowly, what nostalgia is doing with us? I read an article the other day that said that um, during lockdown, people revisited all TV shows to comfort themselves or to escape the uncertainty for present. And I mean, I agree, I did it as well. I got um, Disney Plus from a friend and watched the Mighty Ducks trilogy. Are we ducks or what? So my family sent thousands of old pictures and I got my phone. I went through the gallery and I got a double dose of nostalgia seeing a video that Ringo sent me from Asi Pauli Geek in the Village Underground. He took me to that sweaty dance floor and to a beautiful atmosphere that he created using some lines from the script of um, Greece. listening Ayore and on down tempo beat I only saw Julia Roberts standing in front of a Hugh Grant, of Hugh Grant in a bookshop in Notting Hill and repeating probably one of the most famous lines in the history of romantic comedies. And don't forget I'm also just a girl standing in front of a boy. And guys, this is beautiful. We always talk about the capacity of the music and the classic to take you back to special moments. But until when we can, or we should keep living and breathing this nostalgia? Until when the government will keep pressuring the nightlife industry? I mean, we need to open up. We need to start craving for the future for the moments that, that will come and we will create together. Because that is not going back to yesterday. Because more f- first times are waiting for us. And because we need to start building again happy feelings and leave behind the fears to the unexpected. Your surprises and the roller coaster of emotion that our life journey is. This pandemic uh, teaches us patience, but it is time for us to open our new chapter. And as a wise old man once said, all in a good time. Welcome to Soundcheck and Stories.
Soundcheck and Stories, a podcast by April to July. Hope you're well and enjoying the amazing British summer. We are here once again from our favorite place to welcome you a new episode of Sound Checking Stories. Today we have a very lovely guest, a female artist. She's a very hardworking individual who is making her way slowly to the London underground scene. Stay tuned for an interesting half an hour chat. We will be talking about her journey beginning and the challenges she is finding on the way. It's an absolute pleasure to say welcome Red Freya to Sound Chicken Stories. Thank you so much for having me Ringo. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. I mean we know that you have a crazy schedule so thank you for making the time to have a conversation with us today. Yeah, no feeling is mutual. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. So as Ringo said we're gonna uh, talk today about how to break into the London scene, mm-hmm. uh, but before that, I wanted to ask you guys uh, if, like me, you are having this nostalgia feeling, and if you are tired of it, or if you are loving it, or what's your feeling about it? Oh, definitely tired of it. I mean, I mean, nostalgia is good for like for moments, but if the nostalgia keep if you keep feeling that every day, that's I think frustrating. Yeah. You know, why should we keep in nostalgia all mm. the time? Yeah, certainly. I've I've been feeling the frustration sometimes as well. But I think in a way, there's also we're also kind of lucky that there's a lot of things that have been captured. So like we were talking about the in the story, you were talking about listening back to amazing sets and memories. And I've definitely been re-listening to some of my favorite live sets and stuff. That's been yeah. sort of keeping me inspired. But it is hard. It's harder the longer we go. Yeah. yeah. No, that's the thing. Like, I think in, in one thing is beautiful because it takes you to those places where, first of all, we will never live those experiences again, no? And uh, and it's nice to have them as part of our memorabilia or whatever, our life story. But at the same time, it's like, I want to create more. I, I yeah. want more of this. When yeah. this is coming, you know? And uh, yeah, hopefully... Uh, the 19th government. of July, yeah. yes. Yeah. We wait. <laughs> we open up and, and we can, you know, get our raving life back again, <laughs> as it used to. Uh, but well, let's see. So we yeah. do this? Yeah, okay. let's do this. Drop the jingle. Thanks again, Freya, for joining us today. So, uh, in all our shows, before we start 
the musical journey we would like to know like the person's story so in that case we want to know who is Red Freya and your roots so um thinking a little bit who who is Red Freya I guess uh I'll talk more about myself as an artist then and my, yes. my birth as an artist as Red Freya rather than Freya just the, the day-to-day person so... gosh I, I, I make it sounded like a like a job interview sorry so, well, uh, I certainly felt to me like a bit of a, a, a finding yourself when you're when you're becoming an artist rather than just a process of sort of creating yourself. It, it felt like also kind of coming home to something that was always inside you. Mm-hmm. Um, so how I, I'll talk a little bit, I guess, about how I got into the, the deep house scene and the music scene that is what I'm playing now mostly. Um, so go back maybe a decade um, uh, I was living in Cornwall and my only experience of going to nightclubs was very sort of trashy commercial nightclubs it's like the yeah. loads of hair extensions and high heels and like <laughs> that's a fake tan and that's your experience of the night and the music's so bad you just do a lot of vodka shots to like survive <laughs> the night so that was my only experience of club culture and I just didn't have any understanding of it and then I took a trip to Germany to stay with a friend living in Cologne mm-hmm. and she took me clubbing in Cologne and that was my first time hearing well first time hearing like deep house and sort of techno as well and also hearing music on a proper sound system and in a space that's designed for sound and a rave and everything about that environment so that was kind of a a dawn of something for me that was such a life-changing experience going on that trip so I came back to London oh I wasn't living in London I was living in Cornwall and then I kind of started discovering this type of music and researching it. Um, and I initially I came across Nicholas Jar. So I don't know if you know his yeah, music. I so love Nicholas Jar. Deeply, Char. deeply talented and sort of multidisciplinary and um, talented artist. So I was, I was, I fell in love with his music. I was so inspired, and that kind of that's kind of where I started my journey with electronic music. Um, and previously, I was also sort of classically trained. So okay. I play the flute and I sing and I play a bit the piano as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always had these kind of musical roots and I, I have uh, musical grandparents on uh, both sides of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, I had all this kind of music inside me. And then I moved to London for university about seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and by this point, I was, I was quite into the scene, but I hadn't really experienced much club culture. Um, I remember the first thing I did, the first like the first day I moved to London, pretty much the day after I moved into my student uni halls, I ended up in Fabric. I think it was like <laughs> Seth Troxler or something playing. It was just in this nightclub. So that was like the, the very start of my student experience. Um, and then obviously being a student in London, um, going to these amazing clubs all the time, Village Underground, mm. Oval Space, all these, these beautiful places that really put me on this path of how amazing being in a rave can be and mm. I just thought I want to learn how to do that and do create that. that and I okay. don't want to just be dancing in this space um yeah I want to learn how to make that sound so yeah. and that's that's where I how I started getting into DJing so yeah and then I guess we'll talk about that throughout the podcast yeah. um and yeah I've been playing now for a, probably three four years so still quite new to everything like m- emerging into the scene I've been taking it sort of semi-professionally about 18 to 24 months maybe okay so I'm fresh and you new, did, I guess. You did really, really well in last 18 to 24 months, <laughs> you can say that. Yeah, I'll take into account that we have a pandemic in the yeah. middle. In the middle, yeah. It's kind of crazy. So I mean, also, I mean, we love your story because it was organic. Yeah. And you fall in love with the music and then it follows through. Yeah, you have like a natural yeah. journey, no? journey to that. Well. Yeah. yeah. And why do you decide to play 
melodic techno or like deep house yeah. I, I don't even think it's a decision I mean I think for me I think everything about this feels really organic and kind of natural and I just have to play the music that really speaks to me okay. and this is so I just play whatever sounds good to me really um, so my roots as I said my roots are in kind of classical music and when I was studying classical music I studied a lot of minimalism as well okay. um, so I don't know if you guys know Philip Glass he's a minimalist composer like film cinematic composer okay. and obviously like Hans Zimmer and all these like film composers yeah. and stuff um, and I remember I used to actually get criticized when I was doing kind of music theory A-levels and stuff because um, I would always come up with compositions that were very minimalistic okay. and obviously those elements are big in house and techno music it's quite repetitive it's minimalistic structures okay. so I think that that aesthetic of kind of minimalism is a big thing that attracted me to mm-hmm. that sound okay so are you thinking to um, I mean obviously you are like uh, DJing a lot now I'm mm-hmm. finding like your style and uh, navigating your way into the industry but it's in your plans like produce absolutely so I asked something I was gonna say at the introduction and then I thought that's too many words um, but so I actually started out with production um, originally before I got into DJing so when I was still living back in kind of Devon and Cornwall and after I'd been on this Germany trip I was listening to Nicholas Jar and his music is obviously um, the way it's produced is, is very interesting with a lot of different elements and different instruments and things and I had a, a laptop with sort of garage band on it and I knew someone who had Logic Pro so they gave me like the cracked version of Logic Pro so I couldn't like save any files properly or I couldn't export things but I could just make things mm-hmm. so I started playing around with production but that was sort of yeah as I said, sort of five six seven years ago yeah. and I, I didn't really um, build it up too much and I kind of left it left it dormant and then I got into DJing which I feel like I've kind of taken to maybe more easily because it's so much about communication mm-hmm. whereas production is kind of different you're in a, in a studio absolutely yes but when you're DJing there's this flow of communication between you and the dance floor and it's all about sort of feeling the energy of the people so that really kind of drew me in but uh, but definitely I, I want to get into production more now mm. that's that's my plan it will be like a natural step, natural no? step I, I well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah I, and I think it's important as well that do that you DJ before to understand later as well mm. what you want to create mm. yes by yourself I guess yeah. like when you DJ like there are some moments come that hmm, this track should be like that not you know so there should there's some beats mich- m- m- uh, missing or yeah that's that's the way you start to think of producing and then once you know what you like and then you start to build your own sounds and yeah that's the that's the way it is mm, yeah but i mean going back to uh your your beginnings as a dj yeah. um we talk like you are uh, djing more constantly for the last 18 to 24 months yeah uh obviously we have covid in the middle uh which challenges have you find on this uh, last two years to to create or to break into the industry and say like okay i'm gonna do this but how i'm gonna do it when the clubs are closed and uh, maybe i can network in person with other people or you know explore myself more in the scene obviously you can do that from your home we all have internet which help a lot uh, we talk in one episode with Aldania that she grew a lot her audience during lockdown through Twitch um, so obviously opportunities are always there but from a person that is starting how do you found this how do you find this uh, process so it's been it's been actually such an interesting journey and it's completely taken me by surprise like if you said to me even like a year ago or 18 months ago I'd be where I am now with this pandemic I just wouldn't have expected to be where I am now um, 
But yeah, thinking about the level of challenges, I mean, obviously it was very frustrating having to focus mostly on recording mixes. Because um, so as I said, I sort of started learning to DJ about four years ago, but it was kind of very on and off when I was in, in uni. I wasn't doing it that much, and then I kind of started to get my first proper gigs. Uh, I was playing a few gigs here and there before the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. and then the pandemic came, and obviously just gigs are out the window. Out the window. Um, and I I hadn't really recorded a lot of mixes, so. I don't know, it's interesting to talk about it in terms of challenges because I guess my experience has almost been the flip side of that. I just felt like this pandemic has presented a lot of opportunities for yes. me at a group grassroots level hmm. um, for, through like recording mixes um, because I think when you record a guest mix, it's kind of, di- it's a totally different thing from playing live. Playing live, of course. You yeah. have to, it has to actually be sort of perfect technically. It has to, the song selection has to be outstanding because mm. these are the type of things it's like a recorded piece of art and people will re-listen to them and stuff um, whereas when you're playing live it's much more about just the energy in the moment it's much more spontaneous yeah. and if you make an error in a transition people don't necessarily remember forever yeah. you know whereas a guest mix it's captured forever and everybody will hear it so yeah. in a way recording a lot of mixes was, was quite challenging um, but it was like a good challenge to kind of rise to and I and I felt like I really wanted to grow as an artist So I felt like the way to do that is to one obviously the social media presence and mm-hmm. Be really active on that um, As you guys have seen like I do I try to post like every day on social media And I just tried my best to sort of network and kind of look to build a bit of a community around myself Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, that's this is this is the main thing at the moment like social media and the community yeah. I feel oh. like also, sorry, also mm-hmm. talking with other artists, like they say uh, during the pandemic as well, more chances of uh, like uh, collaborations mm-hmm. open as well because they were at home. Yeah. Uh, they they, man- they need to maintain themselves creative as well. And uh, in a way, uh, people is less busy having gigs. They can focus more on, on production or on uh, recording sets or doing Twitch or whatever. So, uh, it was a window there to say, okay, now we have time that we never have to collaborate and do this. So, yeah, probably like the networking part that you talk about through social media and everything was helpful in that sense, you know? Yeah, I mean, social media has been super interesting because I, I only made a social media account for my, for my music sort of about a year ago from today. So sort of partway through the pandemic. Until then, I really hadn't been taking it anywhere near as seriously. And then I made this account and I don't even know how it grew organic. It kind of just grew organically. Somehow I got speaking to the right people. Mm-hmm. And then I think I spoke to Aiden from One Up in the Woods and also Richie Hayden from Arrival. And, and they were just super encouraging and kind of recommended me people to speak to. Mm-hmm. And that just helped so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like that. Like at, at the end of the day, um, people that use more time in the industry mm-hmm. are willing to help yes. people that are coming up. Because in occasions yeah. that may, might not happen, no. But I think in the music industry, and in, especially if you are a DJ, um, I think it's really encouraging. No, mm-hmm. like have people that kind of guide you and tell you like, okay, it was like this, or maybe you can go in this way. And you know, at the end, you will discover your own ways as well. You know, obviously, but. It's, it's beautiful that in that sense I like yeah and uh, and one other thing I just add to that is also obviously doing the radio show on Bloop was a huge thing for me so yeah. I started the Instagram maybe like in July of last year and part through the pandemic and then I was also just so active on here and I was following Bloop and I was listening to all the Bloop mixes on SoundCloud and then they messaged me on SoundCloud and they were like 
you were clearly a big fan of the radio station because <laughs> I was reposting a lot of things. And then they were like, you know, we are looking for new residents. So if you're interested and we had a chat and then obviously I started the show there in October mm-hmm. and that's been a huge for me. That's probably been a huge step in, in becoming um, a bit more visible as an artist. Yeah, yeah, for us as well. Like, and Blue played yeah. a huge part as well. Like to expose A to just music and everything. And it's a community It as is, well. it yeah. is indeed, yeah. And uh, the people who run Blue, mm. Dean, mm. He's, he's a fantastic Angel. guy. Angel. Angel. Yeah. Yeah. They're very nice yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we talked about like a lot of mixes you, uh, like you had to do in Pandemic. And uh, I want to ask like how you dealt with insecurities like that. Also, you have creative blocks, mm. right? Like when you try to do a podcast, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are some moments like, which tunes to play and then you have to stop and then you know so how you deal with these things i mean gosh yeah and it's been it's been hard like i put myself under quite a lot of pressure actually because also for the bloop shows as well i always tried to kind of prepare quite a lot of, of what i'm going to play on the shows just because i had a lot of music and i was like what am i going to showcase in this one hour of show so i was doing this monthly one hour on bloop and then maybe two or three guest mixes a month it's quite a lot of hours of music to curate so yeah it, it gets a bit intense at times. Um, in terms of overcoming creative blocks, um, I mean, I've definitely had times where everything just flows supernaturally and easily, yeah. and other times where I just approach a mix and I have a deadline, because with the guest mixes, you always sort of agree your deadlines a few months in advance, and then you get up to need, needing to record it, and you need to be able to do it, and um, yeah, if you don't know, you can't like decide what to play, that yeah. can be really, really challenging. Um, I always find in terms of overcoming those kind of things, it's it's great to sort of just get away and get it get out of get out of the rut that you're in and and I find nature is a super inspiring um, Hmm. place for me so I find if I just get away from listening to too many other mixes and stuff as well because so in terms of dealing with insecurities I think one challenge that I've faced in growing as an artist is that I uh, understanding that you have to be true to your own sound like you have to be the judge of whether something sounds good all the time Absolutely. it's really hard yeah. it's really it hard. is yeah. no it's true um, um, when you guys talk about insecurities as well I mean um, what about if we just don't talk about the music perspective and the creative blogs but also like your place as a woman as a young woman in the industry uh, because for me, even in general, for me, I have this, uh, well, now I'm having kind of a age crisis. My birthday is in a couple of weeks and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be 34, what am I doing with my life? But in general, I have this imposter syndrome, you call it like this in English mm, as well? Yeah. Um, so it's like, um, even with A to J, my, my personal feeling no, about us or, or the brand itself, it's like, I'm doing an app. It's like, I'm, I'm in the place where... I supposed to be like yeah. doing this like I, I too many times I think like uh, I'm not doing that much like I don't deserve this to, to come that you, you know what I mean I don't yeah. know how to explain no it. I completely I completely know what you mean and uh, yeah that's definitely something I've experienced a little bit from time to time I mean to be fair like I'm still at that stage of kind of still cutting my teeth a bit here and there so um, but I, I mentioned to you guys like recently I got booked to play in a big really big club but yeah. and a big working with a big label and you know Touchwood pandemic yeah. like everything's gonna go ahead with that and when I got the call for this booking I just felt like 
why me? Why are you picking me? Like, I'm not good enough. Like, you know, and you have those questions and, and it can definitely, yeah, self-doubt can definitely be a thing. But wow, congratulations on that. I mean, it means it's definitely you doing the right thing. You yeah, on a good... you're getting noticed and, yes. and people is seeing your work. Yeah, but yeah, it's what we talk about as well before of, of the records. Like uh, sometimes you get maybe a double booking for someone mistake or whatever. Mm. And you're saying it's like, how I navigate into this? Because maybe we don't have an experience to face these kind of things and yeah it's, it's complicated but at the same time you learn from those yeah things, and know? certainly i mean something i find i think as like a young female artist in the industry i feel in a sense a little bit of a pressure to hold hold a certain line of assertiveness because i feel like i represent not just myself but like so many other females in this industry that not to like bash men and say, well, men are cocky and whatever, so it's easier for them. But I think, I mean, there's psychological studies just in terms of sort of job interviews and things that show that men will put themselves forward for jobs if, in just in, not just in music, but any yeah. industry, if they have four or five credentials and women will wait till they have nine or something credentials. True, yeah. So women just tend to lack that assertiveness, like sometimes just because of our culture. Yeah. And I feel like I need to push myself to be assertive because it's like that expectation from promoters and club, club bookers and anyone hmm. working with women that, that, that they can't exploit you any further. Not that I've, people have tried to exploit me yeah. particularly, but you know. Yeah. 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 Now uh, remembering like uh, Eva conversation, um, uh, about the women in the industry as well and she's saying like maybe it's because we didn't they didn't have a time as an agency to research enough to find enough women that are willing to take mm-hmm. the time and uh, you know the hard work that this supposed to to make into the next stage but the funny thing is that during the pandemic especially most of the artists that we have discovered at home yeah, or listen at home female. were female mm-hmm. like here yeah. in london like it was you uh, it was Celine, Celine Inca Jones, Elena, uh, Elena Kulstoff, yeah. it's uh, Blanca, Barbara. Barbara yeah. So it was most of them were women. So it's like, it's not like the industry or the scene don't have women. It's so maybe they don't have like enough opportunities, you know? Or Ash Pintura. Ash, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, it's, it's kind of interesting as well when you view, uh, I don't want to like name names and like put name any certain festivals or large podcasts, but there, there's a large well-known podcast series uh, based in London. And I was looking and they do play like Deep House and, uh, and they have loads of fantastically curated podcasts, it's like really famous series. And uh, I was looking at the, the lineup of people playing this and there's so few women playing yeah. the mixes, but there are quite a lot of talented female DJs out there who play Deep House, um, especially a lot coming from Berlin as well and playing yeah. that kind of melodic Deep House sound from Kate Blau. There's a lot of powerful women there, hmm. but they just don't seem to be being offered the same level of opportunities, perhaps. Yeah, so. yeah, nice. yeah I, mean, I mean, it will take some time. Like, mostly in London, I feel like... Uh, as she ex- I mean, said, like as she said, like we found a lot of female names in the yeah. last couple of years, and I think like in four, in three to four years, uh, the industry, at least the melodic techno one, will be more balanced in male and female, and it's, I really loving it, like the way it's going at the moment. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's so interesting looking at different microcosms of, yeah. the, of the music scene and looking at kind of techno versus melodic techno versus deep house. And, and I feel like, because I play some melodic techno and I also play, some, play a lot of deep house. Deep house yeah. And I almost feel like it's easier for me to progress in melodic techno space. There's almost like more opportunities and more room as a female. Yeah. But with the deep house space, it's I found it a bit more difficult. And it's, yeah, it's so far. So hmm. 
Interesting. Well, I mean, it has been dominated by male for <laughs> so long, so it will always take like time, like longer, to uh, get balanced. Yeah, I mean, it will go with the changes in the society as yeah. well. So, yeah, we are we are uh, pressuring more now. So, yeah, our time is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, we talk about um, uh, when you open your um, DJ profile on Instagram yes. and everything. And um, Ringo and I were discussing the other day as well. Like, I think for a new DJ, it's important obviously find their sound and everything, but then build like a a, a brand around yeah. that. You know, like, so uh, like build Red Freya, Red Freya. itself. Mm-hmm. So how? Are you working on, on that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I'm sure you guys probably, probably, hopefully you can tell if you look at my Instagram that there is a bit of a brand feel to it. It's definitely, I hope that it comes across as kind of quite curated. If it doesn't, I'm doing something wrong. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of lucky in a way. As I said, I was based in London for kind of six, seven years and I've always had such an interest in, in photography and arts as well. So I've been kind of capturing pictures of things I found inspiring for the past sort of six years and I've just been taking pictures of any art or, or any kind of scene that I thought captivated some emotion for me because for me that's so linked to my music as well it's kind of all one thing kind of art and art music creative expression and then I had this bank of loads of pictures just saved thinking like I don't know what this is for it's just a personal album yeah um, and then when I started the DJ account I realized it's so useful that I have all these images because it's so nice to to be able to kind of make it to me it's like a bit of a personal art gallery in a way like because I try to share share art that I find inspiring um, or like inspiring scenes inspiring motivational quotes like anything that I think adds value because I think that's like a big part of my social media strategy is like mm. Don't just put pictures of me playing gigs and be like, here I am, this is me, this is yeah. how my face looks. Yeah, yeah, I think that should be the really hard part as well, like uh, promoting yourself. Like, It might feel weird, yeah. no? but I think it's important, to, it's important to create the whole story. You know? like people need to know who is the, the person Absolutely, as well yeah. behind Refreya, what their interests and... Uh, you know what what influence in the music and everything you know yeah and certainly i mean you guys probably have seen as well i do like to share stories on instagram mm. like on, on instagram stories um of, of the kind of stuff that i'm just doing in my life as well because i think that then that makes you more relatable as an artist to people it is it is important to connect people with your personal and professional mm, yeah, definitely so if you have to I, I hate this this word because at the end of the day I don't like to give advice. I mean yeah. I don't think I wise enough to advise anything <laughs> about <laughs> things. But uh, if if um, you have someone that come to you and tell you like, look, okay, I have this music and I would like to start my journey. I like, what should I do? How should I start? What you will say? Um, quite a big question, um, but I think, I mean, it's kind of, maybe it's a bit of a cliche to say this, but I, I, I really subscribe to the philosophy of just really put out the energy that you want to have, see in your own life. So try to be the thing that, don't try to like get things from other people necessarily at the start, but try to build up that energy and momentum yourself. So like that's why for me in my journey I was like I wanna I wanna be doing things so I can't play gigs in this pandemic so I'm not gonna sit around and wait till I can play gigs I'm mm. gonna record a ton of guest mixes and I'm not just gonna do like one or two I'm gonna do like fifty mm-hmm. I'm gonna do all these guest mixes I'm gonna do a radio show and just create create create, create. put yourself out there and connect with people it's like that's been a huge thing for me and I think 
be really open, be open to people. And the more open you are when you have those connections and conversations with people, that's what leads to genuine connection. And then that can lead to like opportunities and things down the mm-hmm. line. But I think it's so much about being genuine. And I think I said this, I was doing another podcast interview a little while ago and I kind of said the same thing that a big part of, I think what's helped me become kind of successful as like in this pandemic and stuff is, is showing genuine interest in lots of p- things other people are doing. Like, put mm. your energy into supporting other people, mm. and it literally kind of comes back to you. Yeah. So that would be a big advice, I think. Perfect. I think, I think that's the, the yeah. perfect statement to yeah. pass to our final question. Final questions, yes. Okay. Yeah? Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, I mean, I love to ask this question always. What is your guilty pleasure song? Oh my gosh. Like the most cheesy one, (laughs) like you will never admit to someone, like, or or maybe you listen to it time to time, but you just hide it. Oh gosh, this is such a, this is a terrible question for a DJ to answer, because this is, I'm never going to live this down. Well, okay, so I, I, I want to, like many years ago, I used to be quite a big kind of Nicki Minaj, so like, there's this <laughs> song, this, this is, no, 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 old school, old school Nicki Minaj. Like, what's that song? It's like, is it Moments for Life or something? Like, is that the song? The lyric, the chorus goes like, and now we have this moment for life or something. Okay. It's very twinkly. Like, that's, I love that song and like really old school Nicki Minaj. And there's, there's some cool Deep House remixes of this song actually so maybe there's something good in it and also I mean I love old school like Justin Timberlake as well you know, uh, okay, but I want yeah. those cheesy tunes well, into yes. well I mean we our generations we've been through pop pop music like if someone say like I mean in early 2000s they didn't listen to pop music I was like nah I'm sorry yeah. you did but I'm not admitting yeah, right of course. Yeah. you like and sing no yeah. from those days. well yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> don't want to go there yeah okay so this is maybe a difficult choice for you but if you need to choose between Ali Pali and Hafsted Heath which one are you gonna get that's such a difficult choice <laughs> uh, that is actually a difficult choice to be honest I, I have to choose Ali Pali because it's been just it's like my loyal companion and it's literally been the place I go this whole pandemic like I've literally been to Ali Pali every day pretty yeah, much for because it's local for us Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Hampstead's beautiful, but yeah. yeah. No, I love you disappointed me a little <laughs> no. bit here. Because, I mean, for me, Hampstead Heath is like a um, happy spot. Uh-huh. Like, every time I go there... Like, we have a really good memory. Yeah, sometimes true, I yeah. don't really expect to happen, but just it's just always good for me. Whereas Ali Pali, I love as well. I mean, I'd love to be there. It's amazing. and But yeah, Hampstead Heath is something special. Different feelings, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go for the next one. Okay, so in our each episode, we ask the guests like, um, like we uh, like every guest they need to leave a random question. Okay. So last time it was Fabian. Okay. And his question is, if you need to choose three meals to eat the rest of your life, what they will be? 
Previous. Oh gosh. You know, actually, that's actually not that difficult of a question for me. It's gonna. I'm gonna. I think I have some simple answers. So it's gonna be smashed avocado on toast, probably with a poached egg on it. Is one like basic. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Definitely some pesto pasta that has some chicken and like loads of grilled veggies, all the nutrients. But pesto pasta is the solid basis. Um, and then something with sweet potato. I'm a big sweet potato fan, so like mm. grilled sweet potatoes with with maybe like some fish. That's kind of like yeah. healthy. Nice. <laughs> I think it's kind of in our thing because we, yes. we start saying like I will have like gazpacho, Spanish omelette, um, yeah. I don't know, and you say like biryani and then suddenly <laughs> Ian say like, no, actually I will have like avocado, eggs, avocado <laughs> and feta cheese. No. I could survive with that. I, like, like, Man, I would miss pizza. Like I would miss pizza. Pizza is a great thing, but I think if you can only eat, you would get sick of pizza quite quickly if you yeah. only ate that. So. That's true. That's true. Anyway, and now is your time to leave a random question for our next guest. Oh my gosh, guys, so much pressure. Um, okay, well, it's a, it's kind of a basic one. I should say it now on the yeah. podcast so they, yeah. they hear the comfort. Um, oh, gosh. Um, okay, if you could only ever travel to one destination ever again, where would it be? Spain, clearly. No. <laughs> clearly, Spain. I will go there every day. If, well, if it's the only place I okay. Hmm. Why not? San Fernando is in Cadiz, seaside, beautiful beach. Mm. What else you need? Mm. Okay. What is going to be your Okay, I was just wanted to ask. Okay, her. Freya first. Yeah. Oh, I have to answer my own question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, guys. Um, I mean, uh, to me, like to be honest, maybe Spain as well because Spain is a beautiful country. <laughs> See, <It's> like, <laughs> at the end, you will say Spain as well. <laughs> no, I would say Amsterdam. I love Amsterdam. Mm. Yeah, Amsterdam. Yeah, it would be hard to not go there for sure. Yeah, the thing is, it's not about. Like the, I mean, I know it's touristic city, but there is something, the openness. Like when you walk in the street, you see like many communities there together, first thing. Then also their minds. Mm. You see red light district, church, residential <laughs> areas. School. Yeah, and the, you know, and the school. So mm. that says a lot about this nation. Yeah. So it's like you have freedom in there. You can... If you respect people and you know, so people I mean, is love, really welcoming there as well. well. I mean, I love Amsterdam. The yeah, vibes, nice. the people, the music, the everything. Music, yes. The club culture. Yes, but, I love everything. Yeah. Did you guys hear about how in Holland they had an initiative where uni students could get like twenty percent? They paid like twenty percent of their rent or something because they lived with elderly people who needed company. So they all lived uh-huh. in kind of this shared village, and I uh-huh. thought that's such a beautiful idea. Mm. Young like uni students, and they were having conversations with the old people. They save money on their rent. They yeah. prevent loneliness. Yeah, yeah and the kitchen company. It's nice, yeah. Yeah, they are in another level from yeah. Latin <laughs> cultures as well. <laughs> Probably. Anyway, so Freya, thank you very, very much for joining us today. And um, yeah, we hope like we will see you in all these plans that you have in the future and uh, all the best. For yeah, thank, your you. thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Yeah, it's it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Also, you share a lot of uh your stories and your uh like uh the musical uh experiments i think is uh, it will be very useful for many up and coming djs mm-hmm. yeah thanks thanks for doing that
so thank you guys for joining us once again and it was our seventh episode already wow yeah no who will believe it <laughs> but yeah well slow steps we keep going and you can listen to our podcast on spotify apple podcast anchor you choose your favorite platform sit back and relax and we will bring you the stories and some update time please ta 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 our second july gig is now rescheduled for 6th of august all the tickets purchased before are valid and if you still haven't got your one follow our socials and you must join us because an emotional comeback story is brewing yeah also the ticket for our first down tempo event in night tales on the 5th of september with elif Frida Darko, Fabian and Inca Jones are already on first release. So grab your one before it passes to the next tile. You don't want to miss this. Trust me, it's a corker light up. <laughs> Soundcheck and Stories is taking a little break now and coming back in September. So see you then. Have a lovely day. Soundcheck and Stories, a podcast by April to July. Lie, 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 lie.